When I was 16 years old I thought the two coolest things in the world Were skateboarding and music Like playing the guitar And being in a band With a bunch of friends Travel across the land Tell you what Hey everybody, welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast. We are all the way up to episode number 79. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Trauma. Somewhere in the north of the Chicago land is Liverpool Neil. How are you doing, Neil? I'm doing good tonight, Tom. It's good to speak to you again, and it's good to have another guest. Yeah. Two shows and it's in a row. Be, it's good, actually, because the Michigan guys are going to outnumber the Illinois guys at least two to one. That's 67% by my <laughs> by my favorite. Very good. We are Very good. Point, so, okay, you know where you guys know where to find us right now. Punk Till I Die on Facebook. And punk till I die seventy seven at Gmail. If you want to yell at us about episode seventy eight with our friend from England, who <laughs> might have cursed more than anyone we've had on yet so far, which is combined, I think. I think he swore more than anyone combined that we've had on yes. the history of the show. <laughs> so, anyway, hope you enjoyed that. So anyway, our guest today is is a Detroit legend of sorts. He is from a man, a, a band that I loved when I was a kid called the Trash Brats. And he's done a bunch of solo stuff and worked with a bunch of other interesting people that we're going to hear about. And he was a later date dead boy. Yes, he was. I so saw him. Yes. Detroit Ricky Rat. How you doing, Ricky? Oh, man. I'm doing good, man. How are you guys doing? We're good. What do you think about that, Neil? That intro was semi-professional, like, like a radio. Like yeah, a radio it was. Intro. It was very good, but... Tom. It almost sounded like you wrote it down and read it. It was very professional of you. Yeah. No way. Good man. Good man. <laughs> You guys are pros, see, for punk. Yeah, exactly. don't know what you're doing. Well, kind of. <laughs> so, Ricky, you Detroit your whole life? Are you are you, you born and raised in Detroit? Yeah. Mother, um, outside of living in Indianapolis for a few years ago, um, uh, yeah, I've been here my whole life pretty much. Okay. So, no. was I remember, now, what time, did, what year about did the Trash Brats get going? Um, Trash Brats uh, was kind of formed, uh, it's basically uh, me and uh, Brian the singer, Brian Oblivion. We we were we were friends since like junior high, and um, you know we started playing together and all that. And we had a band called Brat, which was like a three-piece band, and we were really young and, you know, cover songs, just getting going. Sure. Brat basically kind of morphed into Trash Brats, and that got going way back in 1987. Okay. And uh, we... We were together from 87, we hung in there all the way to 2002, and then we, we broke up. I mean, we, that, was a, that was probably a good enough run as it was at that time. <laughs> yeah, 15 years. Yeah, that's a good run. Yeah. The, truth, yeah. the truth of the matter is, you guys will still play like an annual show around Detroit, right? Yeah, like, yeah, we, our first one we did doing that was, uh, I want to say it was 2008, and it went so well that it's been a year or, you know, you know, annual or biannual things, you know, we don't want to overdo it either. You know, sure. we know how things can be, but I mean, yeah, I mean, the shows are selling out and people are excited and it's nice and low pressure, you know, cause it's not like the sure. band's back together or trying to, you know, road or do any of that. It's just, you know, it's kind of like just like a big reunion of friends and, sure. and all that kind of stuff. Now, so, was, was it, was yeah. it all original members or was it just, just the two of you? Well, what it is is uh, uh, me, uh, Brian the singer, and Tony Romeo, the bass player, have been there the whole time, and we've had a, a series of drummers. Hmm. And, uh, and, and the band now, and the band now is um, our drummer Troy, who was one of the many drummers. But he's actually goes way back with me and Brian when we 
he was there at the very beginning. Like Troy grew up mm. across the street from me. So us three have been like buddies for, you know, like 40 years or whatever it is now. Something crazy. Mm. Cool. So, so basically it's three, three, you could say three of the four original, but yeah, we had kind of like the spinal tap drummer problem. We had, we had about like <laughs> like five drummers or something over the course of all those years. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I don't think five is I don't think five is that many. When I talk to a lot of these bands, the drummer is definitely the revolving door. Usually, did you have one like implode or what was the one? What the <laughs> yeah. one? Spont- spontaneous combustion. Yeah. Right. It's about it. I mean, finding a good whatever you want to call it, rock and roll, punk, glam, rock and roll drummer, whatever you want to call the style. It's hard to find, even in Detroit, when everyone's like, "Oh, it's Detroit Rock City," you know. But it's yeah. like, it was, it was, it was hard, man. Even back then, I couldn't even imagine now, like, starting doing this kind of music, like where we, where you know, you would find someone in music. It seems like it gets rarer and rarer. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say this kind of music because so 1987, Detroit. You know, when you guys were really getting rolling, Detroit was. I mean, it was a hardcore punk city at that point, right? Still. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, yeah, because we were we were you know I mean we obviously talk about timing being weird because of the way we looked, which was more yeah. like a dolls yeah. glam image. We got lumped as like a hair band if someone didn't hear Ooh. us. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. the right? punks, the punks hated us here. <laughs> oh, a big time because it wasn't really like there was any like '77 style punk bands like the stuff you know we like like whatever sure. the Pistols or yeah. Dead Boys or the Jam or whoever. It was yeah, that was the height of hardcore and metal thrash hardcore crossover yep. so we obviously fit more in a punk scene than like a hair metal scene but then oh yeah because it was so hard at that time i mean we we uh we took a lot of shit in those days it was it was pretty rough in those days <laughs> that, that's funny because that's actually one of the things i definitely wanted to ask you is for one thing detroit's a pretty tough city anyway i mean i remember right. being like a grand rapids kid a suburban kid going over for shows starting in the real late 80s, and it just was so violent compared to what we were used to. Yeah, and, I bet. <laughs> and we were used to violent shows. We were going to hardcore shows. It wasn't like we were standing around with our thumbs. Our, but I remember sure. and still, I remember seeing Cold as Life like four years ago, and I still thought it was one of the most violent things I've ever seen in my life. Oh, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, as you, as you know, Detroit is a music city. When, when they do it up, they do it upright, no matter what the style is. I mean, because you figure you got everything from, like, yeah, Cold as Life to, you know, ICP to, you know, the White Stripes to whoever. And it's like, it's almost like people don't do it halfway here. It's all yeah. or nothing. <laughs> who, who, was that ba- who was that band you were just talking about? Cold as Life? What? Cold as Life. Cold like, as Life. After Never. Negative Approach, they're definitely one of the better known, like, hardcore bands. Have a real storied history even though i don't know that there's anybody mm-hmm. from the original they still play i don't know if there's any of the original i know the original singer's yeah, dead and... yeah i know that they've had you know the different lineups you know obviously different issues within the band but yeah i mean that that's about as hard as you can get you know and again yeah they're, they're, they're still scary even Detroit. without their original members so <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah I mean, so you, yeah you know like late 80s it wasn't like there was you know there wasn't well, even term of there wasn't even a term for like pop punk for like ramones sure. like bands and there was almost no 77, basically in the late 80s, as you probably recall, when you, when you went to a punk show, it was basically really meant hardcore. Right. You know, heavy-duty pits and guy, you know, the, the skinheads and the hard, hard shit. And then we fall, all of a sudden, boom, you plop us down the middle of that. So it was, I mean, when you put it in, in the whole context of it, it's like it was, it was fucking dangerous, for sure. It, it would have been, been perfect for you if you could have got on like a Lords of the New Church tour or something like that, huh? 
Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we like just missed so much of that by like a few years. Like yeah. we we're so young and um yeah, that's the type of stuff we still could have fit with, like before like, you know, Hanoi Rocks broke up and uh yes. yeah, Lords of the New Church and you know, that whatever you want to call it, you know, more of that glam punk kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's the stuff that we were really into. But we were just you know, we were just kind of coming up. We were young, we weren't that good yet, so we weren't you know, we weren't kind of in the big leagues, so to speak, I guess. Yeah. Were there any other bands in the Detroit area doing what you guys were doing at that time? Which, like you, you mentioned it, but I'll I'll reiterate it. Just you guys were yeah. doing like a real like a New York Dolls was probably your biggest influence, right? Yeah, I mean, even though when you listen to it, it's like I guess you hear more of like Ramones and kind of a poppiness. Yeah, definitely, you know? definitely. I mean, but later on, people definitely compared us to. Yeah, people definitely compare us a lot to that. You know, even stuff like the Boys and you know the Dickies and and the, the kind yep. of the poppier end of, of punk, I guess. But obviously, and the, the look, I mean, we we were huge Dolls. Dolls fans. Yeah. And just the old, the old glam in general. I mean, when I was a kid, my, my favorite band was Kiss. I was a total Kiss kid. Sure. And that's what really got me going about the whole idea of um, you don't just have songs. You have to put on a show and look good and blah, blah, sure. you know. But, yeah, at that point, I mean, in Detroit, no, there was definitely really, there was nothing like us. So it was pretty hard to kind of find. There were some other bands that came up that were more in the 77 style that we were kind of like brother bands with, because we could at least play together and musically it would kind of fit, but there'd still be a lot of the more hardcore element in those crowds that, you know, threw bottles at us and we were, <laughs> you know, we were getting in fights. I mean, there was, it was, it's kind of like the old footage you see of things like the sex pistols and all those bands, like people just sure. get nailed with shit on stage when you played. We used to have to deal with that all the time. It's it's I, it's it's funny that that you mentioned the boys there because obviously before they were the boys, they were the Hollywood brats, which is just kind of interesting. That's right, right? <laughs> yeah, a lot, yeah. A lot of people don't know, and there's even some Clash kind of connections in there too, when all those bands <laughs> were kind of getting going and in between, and uh, yeah, I mean all that kind of stuff. I mean that's really more. I mean if someone listens to the Trash Brats, you're going to hear, I think elements of that stuff. You're not going to hear, you know. Uh, poison or Cinderella or whatever that we Thank got lumped in, yeah. because yeah, it just it was the timing. I mean, of course, right? Late eighties, but, but I mean, shout at the devil came out in like, there. yeah, shout at the devil Early came out 80s, in like what, yeah. like eighty three, and then like right. Poison came out in like eighty six. So you guys were only a couple of years behind that stuff, and those they really did up the look, no question about it. Well, well, totally. And what's weird is we were already doing that. You know, like I know a lot of bands say that, but you know, sure. obviously pre internet days. We saw those bands doing it, and then it was like, oh, they're more doing the metal side. There was really no punk. It was like a bunch of dudes still just singing about wanting to get laid and kind of, you know, hey, I'm wearing makeup, but I'm macho, you know? And we yes. were more like coming from that whole Dolls cross-dressing, like yeah. that type of thing. Yep. And, but then we're like, oh, shit, all this shit's coming up. We don't sound anything like this, but this is going to be – we knew it. We're like, this is going to be bad news because if some people just do a quick look, they're going to say, oh, yeah, fuck this band, you know, they're – you know, they're not punk or they're not this or that. You know, they're just sure. one of those dopey hair bands. So, yeah, the timing was you couldn't ask for worse timing. To... <laughs> but, I mean, we're not, we're not going to all of a sudden go like, oh, yeah, I need to get a mohawk to fit in. Or I need yeah, to, sure. you know, when grunge happened in the 90s. Oh, yeah, let's wear flannels. It's like, <laughs> just this is, you know, it sounds cliche, but this is who we are. So we just we wrote sure. it out, you know. <laughs> well, should we, should, we, should, should we play something I would say off, we should, uh, play, off of the early stuff? one of the real... Yeah, let's play one of the early songs, just because, just if people aren't familiar. So, like I said, I always, I definitely always associate you guys with the dolls because of the look, but it's definitely a little harder sure. edge, a little more, uh, uh, but yeah, let's, let's play one, Neil. What's the, 
how about chronologically? What's the first one? Um, I tell you what, Ricky. Do you want to do Bubblegum Girl or Don't Want to Dance sure. or Some Days Too Late? Yeah, Which it, one? Yeah, any any of those. Those are all off of our first album. Which I'll I'll do the quick plug now. It's finally available on vinyl after thirty years. Because it back in the day it was supposed to come out on vinyl and cassette, and it only came out on cassette. Then there was a later like quick little CD release, but. It just like as we speak is is out on vinyl. So this is our cool. Older well, that, well, I'm I'm actually curious about that. We'll definitely get into that a little bit later on yeah. too. So cool. So all right, what's what are we doing, Neil? So you we're gonna do DJ. Trash Brats with "Don't Wanna Dance." All right.
Uh, there it was. Trash Brats Don't Want to Dance off of their... That was off your... Was it a first... Well, it was a single as well, yeah. right? That one? Yeah, it was a single. It was a self-titled album. It came out on a Detroit label called Force Majeure Records, which was a cool punk label at the time. That Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Almighty Lover Jacks of Death. That's right. And they did the first Swingin' Others uh, uh, yeah, record, yeah, too. Yeah, the Johnny P. Bucks Swingin' Others. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. So Mostly that's tapes, right? right? Yeah, it's got uh, seven inches in tapes. And, uh, yep. yeah, so that album basically came out right as that stuff was coming out. And I can't remember if it was lack of funds or whatever, but, yeah, it ends up just coming out as a cassette. And so finally, after all these years, it's got a it's got a proper vinyl release. Well, let's let's go let's go right there then and talk about this a little bit. So so the label that's putting this stuff out, and I don't know, are you get are you going to try to go through the records or what's is there like a master plan or are you just occasionally going to get one yeah, put out or what's? Like, yeah, it's kind of what hap- what's happened here because obviously our stuff we never were on a major label. We were never even on a big real big indie label. So, and then a lot of the stuff goes to the nineties, which becomes the era of CDs and, you know, cassettes mm-hmm. are hanging around. So sure. actually we are going like one by one. Um, for example, one of our albums out of the closet, which originally came out in 96 on just CD that, that one came out two years ago on the Detroit label here, jet plastic. They, they did a really nice vinyl of that. Okay. And now this way. one, and now um, this, uh, our first album, as we call it, the self-titled, is coming out in the I-94 recordings, which is a friend's label that he put out some stuff in the late 90s, and now he just kick-started it up, and this is his first release back. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I guess to answer your question, one by one, we're making sure all of them get like kind of proper vinyl releases and good packaging and all that, and then it's kind of like we can we can put it away then, you know what I mean? Like it's, sure. it's there, it's in the streaming world for the streamers. It's nice vinyl, you know, copies for all the record people. And then it's sure. cool. It's almost like it's all documented. It's there. There's something extra legitimate about having it in wax, isn't there? Absolutely. And again, back in those days, if you didn't have a label doing something with you, it was a lot it's of money expensive. for like a local, yeah. like a quote unquote local band to, you know, that's why once they're doing cassettes, right? And then later on, Epic came even CDs. One CDs got cheap and anyone could press one up. But to sit sure. there and hold on to a, seven inch or a full length that you know you're stuffed yeah there's there's definitely that that good feeling you know yeah so it's funny you talk about not fitting in i only really i say i remember seeing you guys a couple times i haven't seen you like in the modern like in the modern era but i saw you a couple times back in the yeah. days probably probably both in the 90s okay. um i know they were both in the 90s and the one of them was at one of the very early warp tours oh you yeah guys, right. it was in <laughs> i want to say it was in pontiac but i'm not hey, you're absolutely right it was in the gets a little hazy. Lot of the Pony- yeah, it was, I think yeah, it was yeah, in the parking yeah. lot of the Pontiac Silverdome, if I remember correctly. So, Neil, you got to think this is like 95-ish, right? Mm-hmm. 95, 96. The headliners are like the recently reunited Descendants and No Effects. And, you know, just, and, yeah, just all the stuff like that. And then you got these guys out there in full makeup and their teased hair playing in the middle of the day. And how did that go down with the crowd? Did that go like, down good? This tiny side stage. Well, I remember I was sort of enamored watching them play. I think that was probably the first time I ever saw them play. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was uh, it was definitely because you know the, the cool thing about it is it was definitely something different. I mean, they weren't drawing the crowds like you know like the Descendants were obviously, but it was cool. It was cool. It was. Uh, and the other time, and this would have been when you're talking about playing with all these punk bands where people are going, "Who the hell are these guys?" Do you remember playing? And I, I, once again, these things get hazy. Do you remember playing at the sure. uh, the ice pick in muskegon 
Oh, jeez, man. We had we had one <laughs> time yes. we played there was was unfucking real. <laughs> I mean, that place was that was the punk place, Neil. Oh, First yeah. of all, it was this tiny little box, basically, just everything spray painted, and you could bring your own. Oh, cool. But no glass. Okay. And it was just constantly flying beer cans, and it was like I mean, like Gigi Allen played there twice. I mean, this was a real. Yep. It was a yep. real interesting. It was twenty miles down the road for me. It was not really my scene. I only went there a couple times, honestly. But, um, but it was a cool. <laughs> and I remember seeing you guys play there once. And I'm sure you were the only band that didn't have shaved heads. <laughs> every yeah. every every other band was wearing you know stirrups and boots. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like it's funny. The first time we played there, which I'm gonna guess this probably wasn't when you saw us. We it was it was like a near riot. It was bad. Then it's weird. We actually went back up. And it's almost like the the crowds were good to us. Like we had to had to fight it out, kind of. Because the first time we played there, they were throwing full bags of garbage, eggs, <laughs> BBs, anything they could find to throw it. I mean, they were literally going out to the alley and getting garbage and dragging it in. It was definitely like a war. So and you do remember the ice pick? <laughs> oh, that's what we never forget. That first one is like, you know, the stuff of legends amongst all our friends or any, or even some of our friends and crew that went with us no no one ever forgot it because it was that was one of the one of the high ones for us being hit with shit and jumping off stage and fighting with audience members and just <laughs> yeah that was i still remember it was like 1988 so even though it's 32 years ago i totally yeah that would have been that would have been before my time would have been early probably early 90s i'm talking about right. yeah because you would have remembered this one this was like a full-out <laughs> riot like we were jumping off stage fighting people and stuff <laughs> i still have stains on my marshall cabinet from it from like the eggs and the wow. you know the bottles, and the liquid. And th- I actually here, I actually threw up on stage that night. The only time I ever threw up because <laughs> I got hit with a full bag of garbage. I was playing and I looked up and this guy. I see him like kind of yanking something behind him and he could barely lift it. And this giant bag of garbage comes up, hits me in the face, br- breaks all over. So first I'm like already like you know I'm breathing it in like I'm gonna puke like this is bad. I turn around and go over by my amp. And there's like rotted lettuce and shit hanging out of my hair. Then the thing that finally threw it over where I threw up was I looked up and there was a used tampon hanging out of my hair. <laughs> oh, that's punk rock, baby. I went beyond the amp and just started throwing up. I was just like, <laughs> but but they never knocked us off stage. We finished the set, all that, and then the owners and stuff. Oh, you guys are great. You got to come back up and blah blah blah. And we're like, oh okay. And we ended up going back up there probably a couple more times, and it was fine. People were, you know. You guys are great. Around, jump around. It's, it it's almost like we had to go through the whole hazing. Like yeah. after we did it, then they were like, "Oh shit, these guys aren't fucking around." <laughs> that was Fun- such a uh, funny boy, that, that it really does take you back, Neil. You know, all the clubs now are usually so clean and so nice and have working yeah. bathrooms. You know, that really takes you back to the the glory days. See, but with that, no that was the, that was the way it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a fucking. I don't know. It was supposed to be dangerous. It's still too sanitized today. It's too fucking sanitized. Neil and I have talked about the fact, Ricky, that like it was that weird, like chill down your spine. Like this is a potentially really hazardous situation. Was kind of what drew us in. And then you go through the ninety, and it felt like every punk show was being thrown by your youth pastor or something. Yeah, you know (laughs) that's what it is today. Fucking safe spaces and shit. Yeah. Well, you know, I I think part I I blame some of that on um. You know, I like some of that style. Well, definitely once it became too pop punk, all that stuff, yeah. which I do like some of that, of course. I'm a huge yeah. you know, Ramones fan and, you know, the roots sure. of it. But then 
you get someone influenced by the Ramones, like say Green Day, who's still maybe cool. Then you get someone influenced by Green Day. You know how it goes. And by the time you're like six generations down, there's these bands calling themselves, you know, we're punk or we're pop punk. And it's so like nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it becomes just like, not to you know judge anyone's music, but it becomes like just a whole different thing. And you're playing these shows and kids are like sitting on the ground and with their backpacks and, and crying. The music's not even really that pop or punk <laughs> or anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It just becomes, yeah. you know, and then, then that's going side by side with grunge and all that shit going through the nineties, which we couldn't stand either. So yeah. Nineties time was definitely a weird change for sure. Well, it was, it's like, you know, it's like you, it's really is just like you said, it's like a, every, every time you make a photocopy back in the old days, it would get slightly lighter. Yeah. And that, yeah. So Green Day, yeah, Green Day was okay. That Dookie album was cool and blah, blah, blah. But then you get, oh, yeah. all, of a, all of a sudden you're listening to Blink-22, you're going, and I don't think this passes the sniff test anymore. The next <laughs> thing you know, it's getting worse and it's newfound glory and God knows Boy, what else. Good Charlotte, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm the same way too, because. You know, being an old timer, I'm not going to be closed minded, man. I want to see some younger bands come out and yeah. kick ass, you know. But then it just becomes like that, and you're like, oh Jesus. <laughs> well, it's and it's funny in Detroit, you know, specifically, you had that hardcore stuff, and that kind of went away. And then what? You had ska. I mean, by the early '90s, was there really much? Was there a lot of good, any good punk stuff going on? Like by the time the '90s rolled around. Well, you know, again, so much of the hardcore, you know, the more of a hardcore scene. And then, yeah, I mean, just like everywhere, that the ska punk thing definitely got big. Obviously, not just Detroit, of course, as we know. That, yeah. that got big everywhere. But again, even like for Detroit, we had Suicide Machines. They had way more of an edge, I felt, to that yeah. kind of music, too. Yeah, definitely. Again, I mean, not to keep you know blowing Detroit here, but it's almost like everything, yeah. the ones that come out of here, there's that extra little grit or whatever. So they were cool, but yeah, exactly. Then you get that Scott Punk thing, which becomes like, okay, band nerd, Revenge of the Band Nerds or whatever, no offense, <laughs> but you know, all that. But um, I mean, it was, the beginning of the 90s, there was still some cool punk bands here, like ALD and the uh, Feisty Cadavers, and you know, oh, there was a few hanging around. Them but, then, cadavers. but then, you know, once you hit like that, again, like every other city, once Nirvana and all of them hit, then the majority of the scene everywhere here became grunge. It was funny watching, you know, all the, the hair metal dudes starting to become grunge guys. And, you know, any punk that was lingering was more hardcore. And I mean, yeah, sure. there just wasn't really, yeah, there wasn't a lot of, uh, I mean, we would just kind of play with whoever, really. <laughs> anyway, you get a gig, yeah. So what, what clubs were you playing at that? And, and so like when the, because they're probably mostly gone now, and I probably don't even really know them, right. but. What were the stomping grounds for the for the trash brats back in those days? Well, there was you know that the, uh, you know the area Hamtramck, you know, which uh, there was three clubs there that was in the eighties, really good for whatever you want to call it, like punk, you know, garage uh, alternative. Sure. There was the Hamtramck Pub. There was okay. Paychecks, which is now Sanctuary, so thankfully that's still there. Okay. In yep, sense. Yep. And there was Lily's, which is now called Painted Lady. So at, at least that still exists as like a club or a building. And we started off more like in that scene and um, it was a smaller, you know, smaller, you know, bars too. Then as we, we got our own following, we were able to play, you know, we were headlining St. Andrews Hall downtown all the time. And then the big one on the east side is the Ritz, which was the more like hair metal, metal bar. But then we started headlining that too. So we were like, we actually were popular. Yeah, Yeah, we were actually popular enough. We were able to jump the scenes. Which, I mean, honestly, a lot of bands couldn't do that. 
So it's almost like there'd be aspects of our crowd that would only go see us at places like Paychex or St. Andrews. And then the other ones that only would go see us if we played like Ritz and more of those kind of bars. Hmm. So we were actually fortunate that we could cross all these scenes. And um, what? what's that? Talking? No, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to interrupt. He's more interesting than I am. I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, it has to be played like if they play like Blondies and uh, what's the other? Oh, yeah. Harpos. Oh, Harpos yeah. and Blondies? Yeah, absolutely. Both of those. And uh, again, like, yeah, it's weird in those days. And, you know, we by no means weren't the only uh, band here that was big enough to do it. But yeah, places like Harpo's, the Ritz, St. Andrews and all that, man, you know, those are the days of playing, you know, a Friday night and you're you're playing in front of like 800 people, a thousand people. And you're not even a signed band, but you're that popular, like in your hometown or whatever. And that's just so different. I can't even imagine that stuff now. Yeah, I don't think anybody's doing that now, right? The, most like we said, most of the rock or punk or metal clubs are down the you know the little one hundred, two hundred, yeah, know, capacity. I mean, the, and even suicide machines. Suicide machines can draw like that still. They could probably oh, pull a thousand people in GR, but yeah, or I'm not in GR in, in Detroit, but I don't know who else would. I mean, like there's a few metal bands back, Black Dahlia Murder, maybe if you know, feel like that. But yeah, there's right. not very many at that level, and they certainly couldn't do it once a month. No, and that was a thing. Again, the scene was so different back then that you know obviously people went out way more and yeah, yeah it's amazing to think that you could play that much and not overdo it, you know, cause yeah. now, you know, for years it became the thing of, you know, you don't over, you know, don't yeah. overdo yourself. You have one good show and then maybe two months later you play another one or you go on tour and come home and play one. But we were basically like living off the band pretty much. So it's like we're playing constantly, but it was different scenes, different parts of town but it would always be these packed houses. And it's like, that just seems like, wow, it seems like another lifetime ago. Yeah. So did you, did That's, you, did, was... you, did you tour around much then? Or were you just staying in the Detroit area? We mostly, because we never had a major deal. We never, we only had management once for maybe two years. We mm-hmm. didn't really have a lot of booking agents. We did the whole, we honestly did it ourselves. where, you know, we, um, we, we used to, we used to use maximum rock and roll a lot, you know, okay, cool. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Made, and that yeah. really worked man it really puts you in touch in those pre-internet days with bands that you it could be similar style so you know it's not like oh here's trash brats we're going to go to minnesota and play with a hardcore band yeah we started meeting all these bands across the country and the, the old day you know give us a show with you there and we'll hook you up back here so right from the get-go like when we got going in 87 we started going out of town but nothing major we'd go like in the midwest for two nights or um, we would just start doing mostly Midwest cause it was close, mm-hmm. but it was us doing it ourselves. There was no booking agent. There was no one giving us money to go on tour. And we just, we slowly built up where, you know, we were getting pretty popular in certain cities like, you know, Cincinnati and, um, Indianapolis and Chicago. Cause you know, they were close to home. We could play a lot, Sure, but it really wasn't until way later in about the mid nineties where we really started taking the plunge. Like let's book a, let's book a tour all the way across country and finally go to LA or go to New York. And, uh, so more in the nineties up until when we broke up, that's when we did most of our major touring the States. So but early your, on, it was mostly with mad Midwest. Where was your favorite place to play in Chicago? Oh man. You know, there was so many cause you know, uh, there was a place called Thurston's that mm-hmm. we really liked a lot. The Avalon was great. We had a lot of good shows at the, at the Avalon. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the original exit club was cool. Yeah, exit. Yeah. I remember we, I remember we played there like a week after Gigi played yep. there, and uh, 
someone told us, uh, yeah, whatever you do, don't order any mixed drinks because, you know, they put ice in it. And we're like, what's wrong with that? And they're like, yeah, well, Gigi was just here and he got it. There was a problem where he wasn't getting paid or something and he climbed up in the ice machine and shit in it. (laughs) 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 Of course, we never knew if that's true or not, but we're like, well, that's an amazing story. Yeah, it is. Guess we're uh, we're drinking drinking beer tonight, fellas. (laughs) So, hey, let's... Oops, yeah, there's nope. so many great places in Chicago. Too. Yeah, I mean, Chicago is always great to play. Cool. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, still good. Let's, let's do another song, Neil. Let's do another... Uh... Okay, let's do one off the first album again, then that's going to be out again soon. Uh, let's do Bubblegum Girl. How's that? Sure. Yep. Okay, Bubblegum Girl by the Trash Brats, and that is off there. Originally, it was the first cassette, just called Trash Brats, right? Yep. And it's now just going to be released on on vinyl. Now, is that out yet, or is it out next month? Yes, that's. It's actually they they came in. Uh, we did the pre-orders about a month ago, and uh, they just arrived, and they're shipping as we speak. And uh, really nice package. It's a gatefold with a pull-out booklet with lyrics and. Just the whole thing. Our buddy Jim at I-94 Recordings did an amazing job with it. We're really 
really happy with it. So we're hoping uh, all so, our friends and fans will dig it. Well, so if we so want to, I was going to say, if we, if we want to get one of those, where would we, where would we go to, to get that? You could go right direct to his, uh, his website. It's i94recordings.com. Okay. And he's also got his I-94 recordings at Facebook too. Um, okay. and yeah, you could just record, I would also record. You just order direct from him and, uh, Originally, there was 100 on bubblegum pink vinyl, but those sold out right away, and they were these, uh, what they call the Wax Madge, that's like the splattered, crazy kind of vinyl, but those sold out already, too, but there's still um, some left that's the just uh, nice and solid 180 gram black. <laughs> Classic black. Nothing wrong with that. No, they sound great. I, I think they came out great. So, um, after hearing your story about, like, throwing up from getting trash thrown on you I'm, <laughs> the fact that you guys made it 15 years is sort of amazing because you rode through you also rode through like several musical trends over the right. course of over the course of 15 years so what what made the were you so you guys were just what working odd jobs and pretty much still just doing the band did you do that for the whole 15 years or or, or was it just kind of off and on or yeah it was off and on we had various like band houses through the years where Sometimes a couple of us were living together. At one point, all four of us were under one roof. And um, I think it just got harder, of course. You know, like as the 90s went on, we started losing more of a crowd base here. We weren't getting bigger anywhere else on like a huge national level. And again, you're dealing with, you know, grunge and alternative and all that. And then you get more and more band in fighting. And, you know, it's just, it's not the same as when you're like young and you start and you're, you're like that gang, you know, the old school band gang. Now it's like we're all getting older and then, you know, sure. everything. Sleep, sleeping on it, floors isn't as great when you're 30 as it is when you're 18, right? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, you figure like when, when we started it and um, when you when say when the Brats started basically 87, so like me, Brian, and Tony, yeah, we were all that, you know, we were like 19, 20 years old. And so you're ready to do whatever. And then by the time you're breaking up, you know, in the beginning of the 2000s, you know, you're not a young man anymore. And, uh, and then you start to feel like you're beating your head against the wall after that yeah. many years, you realize like, it's just, you know, whatever bigger level we think we're going to get to, we're honest. And we're like, this is just not going to go anywhere. And it just kind of runs out of steam. So, so, so you also do a band or you, I, I think you still do this. You, so you do a solo act called Ricky and the Rat Pack or Ricky Rat Pack. Right. Uh-huh. I saw you guys play. I can't remember if there's a the in there or not. But did, did you start? Did you do that right away, or did you take a break once the dolls are the dolls? I, Man, if I call you guys the dolls, <laughs> you need to come over to my house and smack me. After That's the brats, after the brats split, did you take a little break, or did you start do working on your own stuff right away? Yeah, like I, I, you know, I was kind of soured on everything. Like um, Brian, our singer, had started to do his solo records even near the end of the brats, so he was already starting to move on. And then, you know, bands just kind of fall apart. And yeah, I needed a break. I, because it was like breaking up in a relationship because the band sure. was like pretty much my life. I mean, I put, especially after 15 so years. Much, yeah. Yeah. I wanted everything for it to happen, you know, and then it just didn't happen. It was like a marriage that you really thought was going to last and doesn't. So I needed a little bit of a break and I slowly just kind of like got back in a bit. Like I did, um, I did this great U.S. tour with uh, Texas Terry. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Texas Terry at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah she's great. And, yeah, she's she's awesome. She's a great, great, great front person and just high energy, you know, punk rock and roll. Um, so she asked me to do a U.S. tour with her, and it was on that U.S. tour that 
uh, Cheetah Chrome from the Dead Boys also did like 10 shows. So that's when me and Cheetah first met. And that was, mm. you know, early 2000s or so. Um, but anyway, so I did like a tour like that. And then my old buddy, uh, this guy, Kevin Kay from New York, who his band and the Trash Brats, we used to share a lot of bills. And um, I ended up like Kevin was touring in Europe a lot. And he had this French band and um, the guitarist, the other guitar slot open, Kevin plays guitar and sings. Um, and he asked me if I want to do this tour over there with him, like, uh, you know, with like Germany, France, Poland, all these places. I'm like, sure. So then for the latter parts of the 2000s, it was, you know, uh, I was touring with Kevin a lot over in Europe. So that was keeping me rolling, too. But then finally, I took the plunger. I'm like, well, I got these songs. I don't really want to be a solo guy. But, you know, all right, I might as well start doing some solo records. And that's kind of how that started. So I'm not as familiar with your solo career. So how much, how many records have you have you made as as it's the Ricky Rack Ricky Rat Pack, right? Yeah, which that's what I call it live. My records are just you know just under my name, Ricky Rat. Oh, just I've had, okay. Because I had a few different people go through it, so um, sure. But then for live, you know, you have a you know, band name or whatever. And uh, I um, yep, I uh, got two uh, two singles, you know, two seven inches. Okay. Uh, one full-length album and one EP, and, and so the, the first the first single came out. Uh, what would that be now? End of 2011. So I've been kind of a solo dude for about 10 years, and like I said, I never really wanted to be the front person, like singing and playing guitar. I mean, it's kind of like, whoa, that's a lot of work. <laughs> but then it was like, <laughs> if I don't do that, what am I going to do with songs? Or you know, I sure. feel like being part of a band. Like if someone's like, hey, you want to come play guitar? You know, I like being part of a whole group or being like backing a great front person. I really enjoy that. But like I said, I had to do this, otherwise I wouldn't be doing any anything. So that's how you know I just went with it. Yeah, yeah. Beats beats being a working stiff, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's up and down with that. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> there's like those moments where music pays the bills, and there's other times when it doesn't. I'm I'm one of those ones that's like an old timer where it's almost like I just it, I don't think I could fully ever give it up. You know. Sure. So when, when you were, I was gonna no, say go when you were doing the Kevin K thing, were you playing guitar or were you playing bass? I was playing guitar. Okay. So it was kind of like a four piece, like a like a Heartbreakers kind of band. Um, oh sweet. You know, total. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know, yeah. Familiar with Kevin K stuff, but yeah, it's total New York punk rock and roll, like right up my alley. Like we're basically like brothers. I mean, we 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 think a lot alike, and uh, we've toured. That's where I've done my most touring is actually with Kevin. That's all my European overseas mostly has been with him and um so yeah that like i said that helped because that really got me back into playing after the brat stuff when i was just kind of down for a while so the brat the brats didn't make never made it overseas one we made it one time because we had uh, this awesome dude over in germany ralph real shock miss you ralph love you brother <laughs> <laughs> he uh he this one guy ralph brought us over he actually he really loved the brats and said you know I'll pay for your, you know, plane tickets. Let's get you over here, do a couple shows, blah blah blah. So we went over and just did about a week's worth of shows, and that was in um, 1996, and it was great. And my, you know, one of my biggest regrets is that the Brats never went back and uh, pounded Europe or, mm-hmm. um, you know, UK or whatever more, because I think that we probably would have done well. But that's just one of those things. Yeah, you would have done. I think you would have done too. Yeah. How was well, Germany? <laughs> was did, did you like Germany? Oh yeah, I mean, I've played there a lot, especially with uh, with uh, Kevin. I've done a couple solo tours over in you know Germany, France, Italy, all that too, and oh, lo- love playing Europe, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
I mean, to, to me, they still get it more than the U.S. people. You know, like all this so-called great music we gave the world over here. And uh, I think there's just a different mindset over there where they understand it and they appreciate it better these days. Can you like can a guy? Like, I mean, can you still make a living playing rock and roll in Europe touring? I mean, is it, is that a viable a viable object? Because it's really not here anymore, right? Unless you're right, unless you're at a certain I level. It, I guess it's you know how tight you are. Like you know, obviously, if you have a smaller band, that helps. Um, how much merch you're selling? You know, you keep oh, yeah. your overhead low. I mean, you could still do it. I mean, you know, it's harder obviously if you're not a bigger name band, but if you're a little bit known and you're in that smaller level, you can kind of squeeze by where you at least, you know, you do a tour and you pay the bills and you come home with a couple bucks in your pocket, you know, but <laughs> by no means is it like big, big, big league stuff, you know? Sure. It is interesting that the European kids are more open to rock and roll though. I think in general, like I know I hear all these Swiss bands and all these, you know, bands from your french bands and german bands they're like they're playing straight up rock and roll like the kids here don't listen to rock and roll it's just all well, it's, again it's just it's kind of like you know even when you think back to like the british invasion type of thing that that thing it was like uh you know there you go people over in the uk and stuff flipping the music back to americans saying hey what we're doing here is not really even that new but this is your guys's roots man we're showing you you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you guys should, you Americans should be doing this. And to me, it's like that. It's like that again, where people here don't give a shit as much about the old rock and roll and punk rock. And then you go over there, and they fucking know their stuff, and they're still <laughs> like into it. They huh. just they're more into it than the people here. I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, it's always it's always kind of always been that way though. I mean, the Ramones were huge in England before they were huge in the states and stray cats had right. to go over to stray cats had to go over to london and play before they even got, could even get signed in yep. in uh, in the states and stuff so it's kind of Hendrix. interesting how that works yeah i mean right. yeah, i mean at so many levels you know yeah for sure huh yeah so let's let's do another let's do another brad song okay do you want to do from... something off of um off like the second or third release do you want to do like eating crow or something like that is that good yeah, it grows good, and it comes off Out of the Closet, which was our third album. Out of the Closet, there you go. What else? Okay. What's this? What's this song about? Uh, yeah, as you can imagine by the by the title, it's basically um, you know, it's kind of dedicated to all those people who just like to talk a lot of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just bitch and whine and moan, like they're the ones that got all the problems, and um, you know maybe they should just uh, shut up and take take some once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, trash brats with Eaton Crow. Sometimes you're a little too proud. Sometimes you protest. Wasted a shame, but then I guess you're 
Eight and Crow, Trash Brats. So, um, we, so we got, we got, we got it, we got it. Are you ready, Neil? You ready to plunge into the plunge into what? Plunge what? into what? What we're dying? What we're dying to ask him? He said he met. He said he met Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thousand. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know what? But let's preface that by saying so, Ricky. So. Okay, so I saw you playing with the Dead Boys, obviously. But the funny thing about that yeah. is there's actually a backstory to that because that same night, okay. that same night was the first night that I actually met Tom for the first time That's in the right. fr- in the flesh, because he'd been oh, right, okay. he'd, he'd been doing stuff for Punk News for a while, and I'd been writing in for a while and stuff. And he said he was coming down to Chicago to see um, Dayglo Abortions, it neg- right? It was Negative Approach and Dayglo Abortions at Reggie's. Yeah, at Reggie's. Whoa. And I'm like, well, that's weird because yeah. I'm going to see the Dead Boys the same night. So. We yeah, met if they up... were back to back, we could have went to both. Yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> but so we met yeah. up at like a Scottish pub or something in the city, and and you know, had a few beers. Had a few beers, and then I went to Beat Kitchen, and Tom went down to Reggie's. So there's, uh, yeah, that was kind of funny how that all worked out. But uh, right, yeah. So, so you met Cheetah. You guys, you guys hit it off pretty well in the early 2000s. I mean, is he a, is he a cool guy? Easy guy to easy guy to become friendly with. Yeah, when I think about it, actually, the Trash Brats opened for uh, Cheetah. You know, he had these you know various solo bands for years. Yeah. And that uh, in Detroit, oh God, I think it, that might have been like '98 or '99. That was actually in the '90s even. So that's kind of when I first met him, but really got to know him more on the Texas Ferry tour because you know we we did like I said, I think it was ten, I think it was ten shows where he was in the band okay. with us. I guess like that, that special guest or whatever that's kind of when I really got to know him, you know, as a person and that type of thing. Had you kept in touch over the years? Um, a little bit, you know, we had been in touch and then, you know, we'd see each other. And then, uh, later on, even leading up to the dead boys thing, uh, my band, the rat pack opened for cheetah, uh, you know, in Detroit and Indianapolis, um, you know, uh, forgot what other cities, but so we did a bunch of shows just not too long before the dead boys thing together. And so we were still kind of, yeah, in touch. I mean, obviously, once the internet age hit, too, it was always easier for people to oh, you know, yeah. keep in touch. Sure. So, so I'm just, I wonder how, so when he's putting the Dead Boys back together, it was him and the, the drummer. Johnny Blitz. Yeah. Is Stiv's the only one who's actually dead, right? Or some of the yeah. other? It, no, Stiv's, so, Stiv's the only one that's gone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Jeff Magnum and and, um, and Jimmy Zero are still there, alive. Yeah. So he calls you up, and not only is he asking you to if you're interested in playing the playing in the new Dead Boys, but he's asking you to switch from guitar to bass. Had you played much bass before, or what was the? I'm just trying to trying to figure what right. was going through his mind here. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I'd, you know, play bass a little bit. Usually, you know, guitar players can play a little bit. But sure. um, actually what happened was I got the call from Jason or Ginchy as he's known. He, he's, he's, he's the other, was the other guitar player in, in this version of the dead boys. Okay. He had been playing second guitar with Cheetah and Cheetah solo band for a bunch of years. So I, you okay. know, so they worked there. very well. They worked together well. And I go back with Jason. He was in a band. He's from Illinois originally um, hmm. before he moved down. He's in Texas a band called Swamp Ass. Oh, holy Swamp shit. Ass that's with Jake. And... Oh, that's yeah, Jake that's what we know Jake. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, right, right. Duh. Duh. That's right. Okay. Hey, Jake. Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> Shout hi, Jake. Jake. We'll be caught up, yeah. Jake. Come to your we go. Help. Exactly. 
See, it's all connected. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I so I knew him from back then from the Swamp Ass uh, Trash Brothers. So it was actually Jason who called me and told me what was going on. How you know he'd been playing with Cheetah and the solo band, and it came up to where you know I guess whoever realized it was going to be the 40th anniversary, Young Loud and Snotty. So I guess you know different talks went around about maybe doing an all-star band or having different singers come up or whatever. And so, you know, then it was, then it turned into like, basically like where, Oh, you know, this can. Hello. Oh, I, he left the conversation. I wonder if his phone went dead or we hung up on him. Yeah. I don't think we hung up on him. He might've hung up on himself. Yeah. Let's, let's try calling him again, I guess. Damn, that sucks. Right in, right in, in the so middle of it. So I'm on the edge of my seat here. Right. Let's see if see if we can get him back. Hopefully yeah. his phone didn't die. Shit. Was it two four eight? Don't don't say his number out loud there, tough guy. <laughs> I think I'll be cutting this bit out, buddy. I think it's okay. <laughs> nah, just leave it. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I hope his phone didn't die. Let's we'll pick this up later. Hmm. Hello. Hey, he's back. <laughs> Okay. We worried your phone ran out of somebody juice or something. Yeah, that's a yeah, like, I'm like, I'm like he, he, like he probably didn't know how long we were gonna talk to him, and his battery went dead. <laughs> right, no, I'm plugged in, but I was talking, and I just realized it did, it's been quiet. So yeah, sure, yeah. Where do we where do we leave off, anyways? Where were we? Uh, <laughs> where were we, Neil? Um, you were talking. We're... You were talking about uh, uh, what's his name from Swamp Ass calling you up and asking you to play bass. I think. Oh yeah. Right. So um, they were coming in. I was living in Indianapolis at the time. And uh, they were coming in to do a show there. They, I can't remember how many shows it was, maybe like eight, couple in the area and then in Canada. And the bass player they had in the band um, was not able to do the, uh, the touring or whatever. So I, I can't remember exactly however my name got brought up, but that's kind of what happened where uh, Jason called me up and said, well, what do you think about doing this? Like, you know, playing you know i know you know you're a good guitar player this for example what do you feel about you know coming playing bass I'm like oh hell yeah man you know play with the cheetah and blitz and all you guys sure man let's do this so that's how it kind of started it was just like this one one little tour and then it just kind of built from there well that see that was that was going to be my question was he calls you up see i was thinking i just had this picture in my head of cheetah calling you up as a uh, hey Ricky, uh, I'm thinking about putting the uh, Dead Boys back together. Would you be interested in coming? Uh, you know, play. Me? And all I could think is, was there any party that said, "Oh hell no, I'm not doing that." That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was that it was the, the only the only thing I you know was thinking of course was like wanting to do a good job, you know, show respect to sure. the songs and stuff. And I know I'm not I'm not a bass player, and, and like any, any guitar player would tell you, sure, guitar players can pick up and play bass and do the basic thing but to play like a bass player is like a different thing so that was just my only little thing was well i want to make sure you know it depends I on the bass player <laughs> right well that, and that's the thing too because when you when you look at the dead boys album it's two totally different styles too 
right. the Jeff Magnum wasn't on the first one. So, you know, he's a phenomenal bass player and his playing on the second record really you know, stands out. So, um, but yeah, that was my only thing was just, I wanted to make sure I did a proper respect, but of course it was like, it wasn't like I was going to think, Oh yeah, I'm not going to go. Oh, if I don't play guitar, I don't do this. You know? right, like, right. Oh yeah, no, let's do this. It sounds you know like a lot of fun, you know? So did, did, did Cheetah try to get all four or is there still a lot of animosity there or the other guys are just can't tour or aren't physically able or don't want to, or do you know the whole backstory or not particularly? Yeah. I mean, from what I understand, um, uh, Jimmy Zero um, was just unable to tour. I think it's kind of some of it's like kind of like health reasons and stuff okay. like that. And um, so he wasn't really, I guess he couldn't really do this. Like, you know, the amount of touring that, you know, we ended up doing was pretty, pretty extensive. Um, so as far as I know, there was no, nothing weird there. It's just more like he really wasn't sure. interested or couldn't, you know, couldn't do it. Uh, yeah, those guys definitely had issues with Jeff Magnum. And again, us new guys, the group, we don't want to get, we never want to get in the middle of any of that stuff because we you know first of all we're fans, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And it's weird enough for us to be in there because you know your people are really going to give you shit for doing it. Like, well, why isn't you know why isn't Zero there or why isn't Magnum there? And it's a like, we didn't, you know, we were like, well, we only get in the middle of this. But so yeah, so those guys, they they had a, you know whatever their issues with Magnum. So there was there was that. So that's why he wasn't there either. Okay. And, um, so that's how that was. At what point did you get this? And I'm trying to remember who the singer ended up being. And I know Neil knows he's, this, but he's fabulous. Yeah. The, the, the singer was fucking great. I mean, you know, considering the Jake. considering the shoes he had to he had to step into, I thought he did a fabulous oh, job. Oh yeah, Jake. How? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, he's the one that had it worse than say like me or of course, Jason yeah. because not like you know Zero or Magnum or any of them are important. We all agree as fans, everyone's important in that you know, original band, but fuck, I wouldn't want to have to step into the shoes like Jake did because we were already all under fire from the, the older fans. Like, Oh, why are these guys calling it dead boys? And this is bullshit and blah, blah, blah. And it's like the poor Jake has to be the guy to go up there. <laughs> yeah. Right. And be stiff. You know, yeah. Be the front dude. Yeah. And it's like, I agree. When I first saw him, I was like, I was like, Holy shit. Because yeah, of course he's, he's showing proper respect, singing it like Steve and doing this and that. But I was like, I'm like, he's by no means a clone at all, though. I go, he's got his own fucking thing. And so anything, some of his stage moves and things he did reminded me almost at times of like Michael Monroe or like Iggy Pop. It was like a mixture of people. So I was like, God, this guy is great. I didn't look at it like he was a stiff clone. But, you know, you're going to get those people anyways. They might just look really quick and see a guy with, you know, black hair and eyeliner and skinny. And then they're like, oh, this guy just thinks he's stiff or whatever. And it's like, you know, anyone who saw it realized, you know, it wasn't like that at all. I mean, Jake's the hugest Stib fan, just like we all are, and, and just trying to, you know, pay proper respect, you know? No, and, and he did it. He did a fan. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, fuck, it's a poison chalice, right? I mean, you're damned if you do, you're damned right. if you don't. But I thought he did a fabulous job. Right. I mean, I, I thought, um, yeah, he was, he was excellent. And in fact, I think, not that we're at the end of this interview by any means, but I think at the end of the show tonight, I'm going to play us out with uh, with you guys actually playing live uh, with Jake singing. Oh, okay. And uh, right I think it's like a Sonic Reducer from, I think it was from in Virginia somewhere, Richmond maybe. Um, I'm going to play us oh, out yeah, with that yeah. so uh, you guys can all hear what a good job he does and how fantastic the band sounded. Because um, it did. It yeah, sounded dude. amazing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that because it goes without saying that that's all hard shoes to fill. And again, you know, Jake, Jason and myself, we weren't trying to be, you know, 
we, we know we can't replace those other guys in the band. We weren't trying to, you know, and we, we always want, you know, we hope people knew that too, that we weren't like, Oh yeah, we're dead boys. Or just, you know, it's like we were trying to be as respectful, you know, as good as we could be. Cause that's, those are tricky situations to be put into. Of course. Yeah. You know, to be, to be in a band like that when, um, it's a classic band and they're using the name and all that. It's not all the right guys or whatever. And yeah, you're always going to get backlash, but I think, I think we proved our point though, because we kept touring and just hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. And I think, I think it was more good reaction than bad in the end. Yeah. Everybody who was there had a great time. I mean, it wasn't a huge crowd, but it was uh, everybody there liked it. So, you know, yeah. you know, at least 10% of the crowd is so out of it that they don't even realize it's not the original guys. Yeah. They probably thought it was stiff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the same oh, crowd yeah. who every time, every time Greg Ginn regurgitates black flag, they're like, is Ron still singing for black flag? <laughs> Is this still 1985? You know, but no. But ultimately, you know, there's everybody wants something that's authentic. But at the end of the day, if you put on a good show, people love those songs. It's the same reason I'll still go see the Dead Kennedys without Jello if they play at the right place because it's like the songs are there and the guys have a passion for playing the songs. You know, that's the way I look at it too because I understand it. Like, because I I I try to put myself in the other shoes too and be like, oh, there's this new version of you know dead boys coming to town you know how can they do that without stib or whatever but i uh, yeah I, i'm the same way i'll give any any band a chance because if it's done right i mean why not go see some band that's one of your favorite bands they got all these great songs and yeah it's done really well and the thing well, is the way i look at this too is that the younger generations didn't they had no chance yep. in hell to see the original so why well I, i'm no stage, youngster and i you know? could you know I'm no youngster, and I didn't get to see any, you know that era well, bands, you know. And I'll put it this way right. too, and, and and I've argued with people online about this too, who were like, "Oh, it's not the Dead Boys without Stiv." I'm like, you know what? Cheetah wrote a lot of these songs before Stiv was That's even right. around. I mean, he wrote some of these right. songs in Rocket from the Tombs, so they're his songs. That's so right. however he wants to That's fucking right. do them, he can do them. You know. Do you think anybody That's showed up for this? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh. I was going to say, that's the way we looked at it too. Like when there'd be some flack and the rest of us were like, you know, this is, this is what Blitz and Cheetah want to do. Right. If they want to call it the dead boys, that's their business. Even if we might think, Ooh, this is weird. They, they want to call it the dead boys and, and wow, or do this or do that. That was, that was, you know, they did what they wanted to do with it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's like I said, it's, it's a strange situation, but when people, like you were just saying, if you know the roots of these bands that you supposedly love too, then yeah, you'd realize that, you know, for example, Sonic Reducer was around before Stib was singing. Yep, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. And again, no no disrespect to Stib, of course not at all. But um and again, it's people's choices. I get it. If you don't want to come to the show, don't do it. If you don't want to come see the new Dead Kennedys, don't do it. But yeah, you're gonna get this is it, especially for younger people. It's like you go see Marky Ramon, okay? Someone who's 20 now, that's they get to see a Ramon. That's all they can see. Yeah. So you can't yell at these kids like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's bullshit. Marky Ramon, that ain't the Ramones. And, you know, back in the day, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but these poor kids are younger. They didn't even get to see, you know. This, yeah. is, this is what's left. I mean, that being, that yeah. being, that being said, most of, the, most of the crowd that night were over 50, so. It was guys yeah, like it was sure. guys like me. <laughs> well, it's funny. No, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm sure there was at least for two sure. people there, Neil. Two people there who showed up and go. I think this is all the originals except for that big ball guitar player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't belong at all. Only... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, 
it's funny though because it it would vary night to night. Like uh, that live clip you were talking about from uh, Richmond, for example, that was a wild. That was back to the wild, crazier crowd. So when you look down in that, that's not you know guys like us in their fifties or sixties. That's more like twenties to thirties. Yeah. So it would just depend. I mean, a lot of times the old timers would stand them back, of course, with the arms folded and be kind of judging it. And up front would be the younger kids you know, singing along and, and, you know, not judging it, I guess you could say. Well, I have to say, it was, I have to say it was one of the few times I've been in the pit and for the past 10 years, because when I heard, oh, Son- wow. cause <laughs> when I heard Sonic Reducer start, there was just no way I was going to, you're going gonna... bon- to break your bones, old man. I was going to break somebody else's fucking bones. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> hey, so, so how many, should we stick another song in here, Neil? Cause I, I, I want to talk about, yeah, we, we probably we should. We yeah, probably so should. Let's, let's do, let's do, um, you know what? It's probably my favorite Trash Brat song. Can we do Rocket to Heaven? Does that sound good? Sure. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So this is Rocket to Heaven, and, and this is off uh, American Disaster, right? Yes, correct. Okay, cool. So, yeah, Rocket to Heaven, Trash Brats. You're gonna get a mess of sandwich for the 
Trash Brats there with Rocket to Heaven. Fantastic song. Love that one. So I'm sorry, Tom. Oh, go ahead. Thank you. Appreciate it. So what? Okay. So at some point, Cheetah or somebody said, we, we're going to record this. We're going to re-record the first album. Right. And at that point, were you like, cool? Or at that point, were you going, boy, I don't know. Or was was there ever like a pause? Or when Cheetah says, let's do something, you're just like, you know what? Whatever you want to do, dude, I'm up for it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, again, me and, uh, you know, the, the newer guys, you know, with Jake and Jason, all of us were like, oh, we were all very apprehensive, for sure. We were not like, you know, again, like, oh, you know, this is great. We get to be the cool, you know, dead boy, yeah. do this new version. We were all like, I mean, we're going to be in Wikipedia now. We're going to be in Wikipedia <laughs> as dead boys now. Well, the thing is, us three are, us three are huge, huge dead boys fans. It goes without saying. And, sure. you know, that album is huge to us. So it's like, that's a you know very weird position to be put into because on one end you're like, oh yeah, this sounds like a fun project or whatever. But then you're like, yeah. uh, it feels like you're like fucking with history or something. And it's already like, you know, we grew up with this album. And sure. so in our eyes, it's already like it's it's perfect as it is, you know? But same thing. It's, it's almost like, like, well, the, like the fantasy game. You know? What's it's that? like the fantasy camps. It's like those fantasy camps where you pay to go like play baseball <laughs> with like Alan Trammell or something. Hey, you're insulting him now. Come on. Right. <laughs> well, no, I mean it really is. But I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, it, it's like it's almost like a dream. It's like, hey, I'm gonna someday I'm gonna play for the Dead Boys, you know? Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, it is. It's and it's just weird because it's like we're like, okay, if this is what those guys want to do, and you know. It's, you know, everyone knows there's you know, a weird kind of backlash and a weird thing to it. But I mean, again, it's their, it's their band, it's their choice, you know. And if it's like, wow, you're serious? This is what you want us to do? Like, we're gonna, you know, go do this? It's like, um, you know, yeah. I'm like, I'm in, sure. Why did he want to do it? In my heart, I feel. Um, there's various reasons. Like those guys said that they were never happy with the original recording, and I guess it was originally that was like all demoed out, I guess. And they were, they were supposed to like go back in and do, you know, you know, the real version or whatever. And then it just got kind of like, no, that's the album that's released. And they weren't happy with it. Hmm. And I, so, I think you probably seen, if, if you look around, you probably see interviews from around this time when we we're on touring and stuff that, you know, he was saying like, you know, he was attempting to replace or make the record better per se or anything, but just, I don't know. Like they, they wanted to do like some sort of, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, because I mean, how, how do you replace or not place or even put alongside a, an album that that's so many people's eyes classic as it is. But yeah. I also get it from a insider's point of view. If the, you know, for 40 years, it's bugged them the way his guitar sounds or this the drum sound or this, they want to take a crack at it in this new way. Then again, yeah, that's their right to do it. You know? It wasn't. It wasn't radically. There was. I mean, I, I've I've only listened to it once or twice. Obviously, I've listened to the original one many more times than that. But I mean, was there? Because it was. It was really more or less a straight up re-recording, right? It wasn't like you rearranged the songs particularly or anything. They took a song out, actually. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, little girl, disappeared. Hey, yeah. yeah, hey, little girl. Yeah, they. Which oh, they, the they never even liked. They said that they never even picked that either. It was one of a few live songs that were recorded at the time that whatever, like the label or whoever, I can't remember now, but they didn't even, they didn't really, that wasn't even their pick to be on there supposedly. So they felt like that's not even really part of the record. And mm. I mean, to be honest, when we went and recorded that in Nashville, it was a, it was a blast, man. I mean, 
again, for us guys being Dead Boys fans, to be in there, like, you know, sitting there and watching Cheetah do these fucking leads that, you know, you've heard through your life. And sure. Yeah. Let's pound this drum. You're like, yeah, yeah, I sit there as a, being a total fanboy where you're like, <laughs> wow, this is, this is pretty amazing. Like, even <laughs> if it seems like a weird thing to do, recording, re recording this album, it's like, wow, this is still. This is, you know, this is a memorable thing. This is pretty fun. <laughs> oh, for, for sure. Yeah, I could see that. Was there, was there ever any consideration of re-recording the second album? Because honestly, that's the one that I always felt needed to be sonically upgraded. Was there ever, was that ever a conversation or not? Yeah, it was. There was actually that too. And then, of course, you know, a lot of talk was around, and it's like, geez, that would be really weird. I mean, in my opinion, because it's like, what are you doing, just re-recording all your old stuff? I mean, that would be weird. Um, so honestly, before, you know, uh, things just kind of went apart, um, there was talk of doing new songs mixed in with, um, kind of almost like deep, almost like deep cut old dead boy stuff that wasn't properly out there. Like, uh, um, studio version of, um, third generation you know, detention home, oh, de- yeah, yep, yep, detention yep. home. And you know what I mean? Like things like that, where it would almost be like an album or an EP where, might have been a couple old things, but then leading mm. into doing new stuff. So people could do it as like, you know, it's now they're not just redoing their old stuff. This is kind of a new band or a new band back. But um, mm. unfortunately that didn't happen. Did, did things end badly? I, or is that, I mean, is it, you will, are you ever talking about that or what, what's, uh, what's the current status of the band? Uh, well, you know, I don't know at all what she is planning to do because I haven't, I haven't talked with them at all. Mm. Uh, you know, things kind of just ended and, uh, no, it, it actually didn't end so good. <laughs> oh dear. But mm. I mean, uh, it was, it was just kind of weird and, um, too much together. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, and, and again, and I don't want to stir up shit with people either, but I mean, it wasn't even just amongst band members. You know, there was outside stuff that messed mm. it up as uh, you know like as it usually does in, in band situations you know where you know because i mean yeah i mean i'll, I'll say this the band was definitely characters it was it was like being back with a real band again not just like oh uh some studio guys or some guy i met through a musician's ad we it was it was really like i haven't had that feeling in a while being again like a band like a gang everybody <laughs> was a strong personality so there's obviously kind of a lot of ego to and you know everything else mixing in but it was a real deal so when people come see the band you would know what kind of show you're going to get that night and uh you know i i i really i like that i thrive on that because it reminded me almost like the brass days of things could be crazy it's not gonna be this perfect sounding band every night with everything going perfectly right you never knew what kind of mood somebody might be in or who's arguing with who or what's going to happen so it was kind of, I think deep down, at least in my mind, I knew that I didn't know how long this thing would last because you could almost tell it was so hot. It would, it would be hmm. explosive. <laughs> hmm. So you just kind of enjoy it while you could, huh? Yeah, I mean, we were hoping to go longer, of course, you know, but that's how sure. things go. And, um, so it's just kind of, you know, it's one of those things where I don't think anyone's wishing anyone bad. And I don't, like I said, I haven't talked to, been in touch with Cheat at all. So I'm not sure what he's going to do. Um, you know, for anything going forward, man, you know, I, I still, you know, I'm still in touch with the other guys and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I'm, I definitely miss it because we, uh, we, we covered a lot of miles together in those few years. I mean, and, uh, 
Yeah, it was a hell of a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. I think that overrides the bad stuff, at least, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is only, only uh, what, seven more years till the 50th anniversary. So, <laughs> right. yeah. You guys are really yeah. a bunch of geezers out there, right? <laughs> oh, man. Well, Cheetah looked pretty well, healthy, you know, I have they... to say. Yeah, well, you know, he's, he's playing great. And, uh, you know, it's good. I mean... We, we wanted the best for Cheetah, but for real. I mean, we didn't just as fans, because it's like when you see all the other older classic bands, you know, the Damned and, and all these bands are out there doing it. It's like you want to see all these guys you know, do the best they can, you know, because uh, sure. there's only so many years and so many tours left, you know. So, I saw the Damned a couple you know. of years ago. I was shocked how good they were. I saw Wayne Kramer a couple of years ago. He's in his 70s. He still looks pretty damn good. Yep. Well, it's inspirational, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's definitely old old hat by saying that kind of stuff, like when we're all younger, like, oh, once someone gets old, they're done. It's like, yeah. no, man, as long as you're doing it right, it doesn't matter. And the thing was, rock and up, now punk rock grew up. All of it grew up to where it's just like, it's crazy to think some of our heroes now are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. Like you said, 70s, yep. 60s, 70s, whatever. Stones are, Stones are more like 80s now. I mean... Yeah. So that's yeah. that's inspiration for uh, I I think because I, I always feel like okay I'm I'm certain age it's not like it's too it's not too old to do it if you do it good you know. Yeah, when you were younger, I mean, when I was younger, I was mortified of like forty year old you know for being forty years old or <laughs> and now it's just like ah oh, you know sixty don't seem that bad right. But, yeah, isn't it weird? It's like they say you watch every generation get old. Like oh, all those fifty five bands are really old now. All those 70s yep. rockers are old now. Now it's like punk rock, which used to be such a, you know, we all discovered it when we were younger, like the most craziest kind of thing. And now it's like, oh, yeah, all the old punks now are up there in their age, too, yep. you know? Yeah, but they're, well, yeah. They're, they're still doing wilder shit than most of the fucking yeah. young bands That's are doing. True. So, That's you know. Oh, <laughs> they, oh, I tell you, if we, had, yeah, if we had videos rolling the whole time in those Dead Boys tours, oh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't boring by any means. The home video. The yeah, Dead right. Boys home coming up. The only thing that upset me about the whole show was it was that it wasn't longer. I mean, you guys only played maybe like what twelve songs or something. Yeah, we yeah we were yeah. There's a few people that were disappointed in that. And that was one of the things we were working towards too was adding more songs in because especially in the beginning, the first lack of shows is mostly focused on just you know the 40th anniversary Young Island Style, Young Island's Naughty, basically yeah. that album yeah. song or two. But as it was going on, we were we were working our way through that second record too. Was coming into the set. Plus, he also like I said, something like the Tension Home, you know. Yep, fantastic of, you know, song. Yeah, songs like that. And uh, so it was it was starting to you know go a little longer. But yeah, we definitely heard that from some people, and they were like, "Yeah, man, I'm just uh, disappointed. I wanted it to be longer." And I'm like, "Well, that's always a compliment. That's much better than oh yeah, band with you off stage." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. So yeah, Tom, we, it's a real, it, it's a real shame you couldn't have uh, we couldn't have done both. Yeah, I know. That's well, they play, I know they played they played Smalls a couple nights later too, but I was on the road and I just couldn't come home and kiss my wife and say I'm off to Detroit now. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, so, God, we were it was weird because we were we were actually playing every little nook and cranny, man. We were playing some weird little towns and never heard of and stuff. So I mean, mm. we weren't. There was no rock star bullshit either. Like, oh yeah, they're traveling around on a bus with the road crew, whatever. It's like. No man, you know we're we're in back of a van, you know, moving our own gear, and none yeah. of us are young. There's no twenty year olds in this band, and fuck, did we cover a lot of miles, a lot of shows, 
we mm. definitely, yeah, we worked hard those few years for sure. <clears throat> so let's play another song, Neil, and then we'll see what he's been up to the last couple of years, and then maybe let him go have some dinner or something. All but right. uh, <laughs> so, Ricky, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna play one of your um solo songs, do you want to do Tokyo Pop or do you want to do Crossfire Summer? Hey, either one of them. Tokyo Pop's good. I think that's a good uh, that's a good fun one. Okay. Tokyo Pop, and what, when, when did this come out? And give us some background on this it. Came, this came out on a single uh, 2013 uh, Detroit label called uh, New Fortune Records. And uh, kind of uh, dedicated to the rock and roll kids over in Japan. Because there's uh, they're some real rock and rollers there. Mm. Okay, cool. So, uh, Ricky Rat uh, with Tokyo Pop.
Tokyo Pop there by Ricky Rat. And that's actually funny that you do that because the last guy that we interviewed on uh, episode um, 78 actually is an English guy living in Japan. And he seems yes. to absolutely oh. love it. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, cool. so what have you been doing? You, you're doing some more solo stuff? Or what, what have you been working on in the time since the. Uh... Since the Dead Boys thing splintered. Yeah, let's see, because Dead Boys, um, that was, you know, that took up most of my time for a few years there because we were so busy. And uh, that, uh, let's see. God, I think so did you come back to Detroit after that? Because you said, I know you were in Indy yeah. for a while. Is that when you came back to Detroit after the after the Dead Boys thing? Yeah, like I was down in Indy and, um, for a bunch of years and um, I moved down there for, uh, you know, for a relationship. And then that that didn't work out so that was um that was uh, breaking up and then i started touring a lot with the dead boys so basically i was on the road a lot so then i ditched my day job there so it was kind of like everything was kind of in upheaval hmm. so um i kind of came back to detroit stayed with a friend where i was almost like crowd uh, couch surfing because i'd be home and then a few months later the dead boys be back on the road and I'm so sure. i made my way back here and I'm, it's almost like i'm still not really even <laughs> settled in from all that but um, <laughs> so the last shows with Dead Boys were, well, shit, let's see, well, 2019, uh, shortly after. Oh, what was it that recently? Oh, no, okay. Yeah, so, so about a year, so I got, well, this has been a weird year, like I said, for everyone. But so, yeah, it was like mid, yeah, like 2019. And so from then to now, well, you figure this whole year has been mostly shot out for basically all musicians. But yeah, sure. I just went back to playing, um, working on, you know, more, you know, songs with my band and actually with the same you know same uh, lineup of band we actually started uh doing cover band gigs which you know when you're younger as a musician you're like ah, i'm never gonna do a cover band but to be honest that's what's paying the bills and and gotcha. playing too so that was actually became a thing like okay well you know, i'm not touring i'm not doing anything i'm over on that kind of level but we're, we're having these fun little shows with our cover band playing you know fun covers too and uh oh. so a lot of that and then just working on new songs and then uh Actually, this this weekend we're going down to a friend in Chicago, and we're going to record a couple songs for a new single. Actually, so trying trying to stay active in the month, you know, amongst all this COVID craziness, you know. Where now about, you're you you you've been working with. Are you going to be where, whereabouts? Uh, going to be over on the South Side. Oh, okay, uh, gotcha. I, I love the South Side. That's to me that's my favorite part. But best that's part of Chicago. Shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Be careful. <laughs> so, <laughs> So yeah. you no, you're working with a this is a good part of stuff. <laughs> you're working with another uh, another uh, classic Detroit guy. Are you are you at liberty to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike Skill, uh, guitar uh, guitar player from the Romantics. Who you uh, you're familiar uh, with the Romantics, Neil? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're obviously early '80s, kind of a new wavey. They were. Well, they I don't even know what they, they kind of. Yeah, they get lumped as like a new wave power pop band, but again, they still have that little more rock and edge yep. in there. Yep, a little bit of Kinks, a little bit of yeah. When yeah. I came yeah, to the right. states in '83, I first came to the states in '83, and the Romantics were fucking huge. I mean, that was all they played those two songs all the time. Yeah, right. Detroit. Yep. Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, uh, that's another band again. Like, you know, just like getting to play alongside you know people like Cheetah and and Giant Blitz. Same sure. thing. I mean, like you know, growing up, totally looked up to the Romantics, especially Detroit because there was that Detroit pride, like. These guys are from here, and they fucking 
they sound amazing and they look amazing. So it's yeah, it's, another, it's getting to play with another hero. Really, that re- that know. red leather, right? Was that a subconscious? Yeah, uh, right. That was like a subconscious <laughs> thing for the brats. <laughs> like if you see the romantics and you wear today, because you know they still tour a lot. Yep. They're still fucking. They they're 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 a great band. I mean, they're they're still mm. a great live band and they sound great. And uh, but um, yeah, Mike was just starting to work on some of his um solo material and he asked me to you know plan some stuff and do this and that and really it's just kind of uh nothing really huge going on with it yet because everything's kind of getting started like i said this year of course everything shot out everywhere so uh so we did a few gigs few gigs together the band along with the drummer of the romantics as well and uh yeah just a cool group of guys like really cool stuff and um I'm excited about, we're definitely planning to do more stuff. It's just a matter of, you know, what happens when all this, you know, junk clears up everywhere. Is it, is it along the same style-wise lines as the Romantics, or what kind of stuff are you doing? Yeah, I think I mean, when you check out his, uh, what he's been doing is releasing just these kind of like digital singles here and there, like through like the last year or so, you know? And um, I think when you check it out, you'll see, yeah, it's that same, it's got that same Detroit rock and roll thing in there and some of the songs have you know maybe a little more of a you know power pop catch but yeah it's the same thing i mean you know uh, you, you just hear that same root uh you know mike's just such a classic guitar player such a classic detroit player and to me those riffs he's come up with you know what i like about you and songs like that to me that's up there you know with you know the stooges riffs and all the other detroit classic riffs and stuff that you mm. especially growing up here it's just embedded in you hearing that you know and it's always such a treat to be able to play with, you know, with the guy that, you know, came up with that. Just like when it's playing with Cheetah, you know, you hear, here's the guy who does Sonic Producer and you're on stage with him. And now oh. it's kind of the same, like with Mike, too. I'm like, he hits, hits those riffs of those songs. I'm just like, wow, this is great, you know. <laughs> All right. I got I got one or two more things for you, and then I'm I'm done. And then I, I'll turn you over to Neil, and if he's done, we'll <laughs> let you go. So oh, yeah, That's all good, yeah. I saw, so I saw, the only time I saw you solo, I think, was in Indianapolis at the wonderful Emerson Theater. What a hole in the ground, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> playing with Sloppy. Now, did you know those guys back from your Trash Bats days, or was that like, did you meet them after you moved down there? No, absolutely. Uh, trash Bats and Sloppy Seconds go back to like, like 80, 89 or 90 is when we okay. first played together. We, we were oh, brother cool. bands for like, yeah, 30 oh, years. Oh, that's cool. Man. They're and those guys, man, I mean, besides being a, you know, a great band, love them, uh, great people, those guys actually spread the word to the Trash Brats far and wide. It was only mm. through the years, amazed how many people I've met that said, yeah, I first heard you guys through Sloppy Seconds. Or, you know, oh, that's cool. Be from Sloppy Seconds to check you guys out. Blah, blah. So, I mean, they were always like, yeah, they were always really, really cool. And um, we, we shared many, many a bill together throughout all the years. Yeah. Mm. So the truth of the matter is, I think you were going to do their merch for them this last tour that got canceled, weren't you? Yes, that that is true. Well, you you know all the inside info. Well, I <laughs> see. I, I I'm a I'm well I'm I'm a I'm a sloppy aficionado. I I sort of will usually try to catch a handful of shows or at least a couple of shows every time they go on tour. This last time we were supposed to do Chicago, which Neil and I were going to meet for, and then I was going to go up to Green Bay, but obviously oh, it all got. Yeah. It all got torpedoed, but no, we're we're friendly with those guys too. And matter of fact, BA was like our first like guest that kind of helped put us on the map when we started doing this. 
So cool, man. Great. Yeah, yeah. That's so yeah, no, that awesome. was yeah. See, this, it all it does come full circle. See that it really I didn't is. Know that. There's only so yeah, many. I mean, if you're like involved in the scene, there's only so many degrees of separation. You know. Yeah. So many. Well, I mean, we did. I mean, those guys were always trying to bring all the other good bands around too. That's what they were doing their sloppy palooses, you know. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. In the nineties. Oh. I remember one bill. I remember one bill actually in Chicago, going back to Chicago again, where it was. Uh, so it was Trash Brats, uh, the Queers, the Vindictas, and Sloppy Seconds. Wow. That talk about a bill for that era for the quarter. Yeah, that's whatever crazy. You want to call it pop punk type of thing. That was an amazing. That was an amazing lineup right there, and it was at the height of it, right when that all that you know. That was cool. That was a really good show. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Neil. I think that's it, Neil. I mean, unless I forgot something, but I, I'll, I'll think about it. But oh, I have but, some. Uh, I have some things. Sure, I do. Yes, you know, you know what he's going get, to, right? Get him, get him, thrill him. Well, so I'm looking yep. at the Trash Brats discog- discography right here on Discogs, and um, interested right. in um, actually some of the B sides of some of the singles. So on one of them, it must be the Cocaine B side was Civilizations Dying, obviously by the yep. amazing Zero Boys. That's correct. And Rocket to Heaven, B-side, Third Generation Nation by the Dead Boys. So is that, right. <laughs> is that something you tried to do? You tried to do uh, covers on the B-sides of some of your singles? Is that Was that the, a common theme? Yeah, you know, because it's kind of fun, you know, because then you're, you're doing, you've got something different just in case your A-side ends up on a full length or whatever, you know? Yeah. And then sure. it's kind of, yeah, you know, spreading That's it around again. Like, yeah. You know, because it's cool because it's kind of like you're wearing your your influences on your sleep you know people it's just kind of like you know and again it, it's always weird too because it's like you know you can't you can't outdo the original but mm-hmm. i still think it's fun <laughs> yeah so you played with well, the, it's, you, you it's played true, with the though. zero There's boys nothing... i assume right at some point yeah and, and actually i was just thinking of that speaking of civilization dying in the zero boys sloppy one of the trash bat reunion shows a few years ago we did one in indy and uh, BA got up on stage and sang Civilization Dying with us. Nice. That's yeah. Cool. And of course, a YouTube video of it somewhere. <laughs> of course, Paul Z has produced all the Sloppy Seconds stuff. Yeah. See, there's all that. I mean, Indianapolis, you know, see, they got, they got, they got some bands to be proud of down there for sure. You know, I mean, yeah. Zero Boys and Sloppy were always big on the Trash Brats radar. I mean, uh, I myself aren't really into into a lot of hardcore stuff and you know zero boys gets as you guys know it's kind of in lumped in that scene but yeah we always like zero boys had a lot rock of and roll yeah, yeah a lot of melody rock and roll in there or whatever so i forgot whoever even you know in the band decided like yeah we should do a version of civilization's dying or whatever and yeah that's yeah, ended up on the b-side there they were trying to do a 40th anniversary zero boys thing this this supposed to be this last summer and they weren't able to do that Maybe I'll, maybe I'll harass Paul and see if he wants to come on. Is he a talker? I've never met him. Yeah, man. I think that I think he was great on your show. I mean, uh, I can imagine the stories he's got, even just from uh, you know, <laughs> even on even on the studio end of the bands he's worked with. Yeah, stuff, you know. But uh, yeah, he's he's made yeah. a pretty good career doing that stuff, doing the studio stuff. So cool. And then yeah, I, mean, I know have you guys. I know. Have you seen any recent versions of the Zero Boys? But they're amazing. I uh, saw them. Yeah, I saw them. I, I saw them about five down. years ago with uh, opening up for Naked Raygun in Chicago, and they were fantastic. Oh. Uh, they were fantastic. That was at the Metro. Yep. That yeah. was a great show. Right on. Yeah, that's see. There you go. That that's a good build too. And uh, yeah, no, they're back better than ever too. And so hopefully they'll be able to do more touring. 
too once all this stuff passes. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go down for their 40th. If they if they reschedule their 40th, then uh, it'll be their 41st, I don't know, right? 42nd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? It made me realize this last year. We had so many shows. Neil and I were going to meet up in Chicago. I, we had tickets for 10, 12 shows just for the spring because there was so many tours planned. And if there's one thing right. I realized this year, it's like, you know, if I can't, it just it, it, don't skip a show because you don't think you can afford it. Because, like, you know, if I got to go down to Indianapolis to see the Zero Boys, then I'm going down to Indianapolis to see the Zero Boys. Or if I'm going to, you know what I mean? It's like life's short and, and there's no guarantee that we're going to have 50 shows next year so yep it's better go no, no, I, get I, what you can i agree with you totally i mean as, as a big fan of music i agree with you totally like all of us that are that into it will do that make a road yep. trip you know plus it's just fun anyways and uh but you're absolutely right you just don't know you know how long especially even a lot of our bands we're you know we're all older they're all older what's your yep. chances of seeing some of these bands you know so and yeah it's fun to drink beer in different cities Hey, Absolutely. Hey, hey Chicago is a great place to meet up. You almost can't ask for a better, uh, a better city. Uh, Chicago is one of my favorites. Absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. it. I tell you what, let's play that um, one of the the song he did with the guy from the Romantics. That was uh, what's it? Is it Mike Skill? Is that what it was called? Well, Mike Skill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mike yeah. Skill. Okay. So the song is called "Not My Business," and uh, here yep. it is. Friends will all be gone with 
Not My Business by uh, Mike Skill, which is Mike from the Romantics and Ricky Rat, obviously. Who else is in that band? Or is it just the two of you guys uh, doing stuff in the on, studio? On that, on, that partic- on that particular recording, it's uh, Brad Elvis, the drummer from the Romantics. Brad uh, Elvis? Mike, I believe. Hold on a second. Yep. Brad mm-hmm. Elvis from the Elvis Brothers? Yes, yes. Oh, you know the Elvis Brothers. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, 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 used, I was down in Champaign for about seven years. <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. Let's say hi to Brad. Hi, Brad. Yeah, hey, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brad's been romantics for, oh, God, I'm, I'm probably going to get the year wrong, but he's he's been with them, I think, maybe like, ooh, I don't know, maybe 15 years or something like oh, okay, that. okay, cool. Long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Fantastic okay. drummer and even better human being. And, uh, yeah, it's it's been fun playing with him with some of this stuff with Mike. And, again, <laughs> hopefully there's going to be more live gigs and stuff when – when it can be allowed. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, I got to drag. I got to drag Neil over to Detroit. He's never been, so I'm gonna. No, drag that would be cool. There. I'd like to do that. That would be cool. Yeah, I've never been to Detroit. Um, <laughs> oh God, Detroit! Detroit's a great city. <laughs> There's no place on earth like Detroit. <laughs> it really is. And like I said, great record shopping, Neil. You'd love that. There's a good record shopping. Oh yeah, over. for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, I just have two other questions, and they're actually pretty much sure. conventional uh, punk till I die questions, right? Do you have any Ramones stories? Did you ever play with the Ramones or do anything with the Ramones? Well, yeah, I got a couple. Um, well, the, my first show with my fake ID, when I had a friend fix my ID, those, you know, those days when they actually could like, kind of draw on them or you know, whatever. Yeah. had a friend's brother who was a pro at doing it. Fixed my ID so I could... Uh, because I was missing all these great shows at this Detroit club called Tracks in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And the first one I went where I had this fake ID, 
hoping to get in with the Ramones and I yep, never forget that showing the guy my ID gives it right back to me. Okay. $10 or whatever it was. Boom. <laughs> Excellent. So you were fucking made up. The Ramones. Oh, and of course it's a life changing show that you still you tell people forever. Like, yeah, I hate to be the old guy in the hill, but man, if you guys could have seen the Ramones mm-hmm. back in those days, or like a club. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was, that was mind blowing to see them. Um, then years later, the trash brats got open for, um, Marky Ramon a few times Okay. Um, when you had the intruders. And uh, one thing I remember of the one show was uh, the dressing room was upstairs. This was in Flint, Michigan. And we closed our set with um, 1970 by the Stooges. Mm-hmm. And we came upstairs and, you know, there's Marky with a big piece of pizza, you know, shoving it in his mouth. <laughs> and he's like, hey, great Stooges cover. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought we got that Marky uh, seal of approval. So. Yeah, there you go. My Ramon stories. There you <laughs> go. Cool. Cool. Okay, and then the other song, uh, the other question is, okay, this was actually a theme of one of our shows, but um, okay, Johnny versus Johnny versus Johnny. Who was who was the most important? Johnny Ramon, Johnny Rotten, Johnny Thunders. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, that's a bitch, ain't it? Wow. <laughs> yeah, you guys really you trick everyone up there. Yeah, that's a, like a trick question. Yep. It kind of depends where you're coming from. Um, that's why there's almost like different levels that I would say. I mean, for me, I would say Johnny Thunders. But I'm I would, that's, that's it. Wouldn't you have guessed that, Neil? Uh, wouldn't you have guessed that? Yeah, for Ricky, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I think Johnny Ramone is the one that's winning right now. I think he's got like four votes to two or something. But yeah, okay. I mean, my, I mean, personally for me, it would be Thunders because neither he's as a guitar player or as a style guy, you know, look-wise and hair and all that. It's just, you know, it's a songwriter and stuff, too. Sure. But then you go another, a whole other, yeah, and a whole other thing. If you think about really, like, a classic, like, the face, the image of punk, it, you know, it has to be, you know, Johnny Rotten, Johnny Rotten, right. you know? And then, but then the punk style guitar playing. Yep, Johnny Ramone. A lot of British <laughs> punks. It's yeah, Johnny Ramone. You see the... so, I mean, to me, all three of them are very, very, very much important to me. But, for yeah, my, my vote would be Johnny Thunders, though, for sure. All right, cool. Do I know what I was. I, I know what I was gonna talk about real quick, and this this will be it. I swear, we'll let you go. But oh, no, Jake, it's good, man. It's all good. Jake mentioned that you were doing something, and it was during the first quarantine. And I don't know if you're. I, I don't know that you're still doing it because that would have been a lot of songs. But you were doing like a song a day or something on your social media. What were you? You were doing something to help pass the time. What were you? What were you doing? Yeah, I'm actually thinking of kicking it back up. I um on my regular, you know, just my you know Ricky Rat uh, Facebook. I, you know, I tell some other friends when the lockdown first happened, they were, you know, doing some acoustic songs, calling them like quarantine songs. Whatever. I thought that's a cool idea. And once I started doing it, um, I just, I kept going and I forced myself to keep going. I finally, when I went something like 160 days in a row without missing a day. Holy before shit. Finally, I'm a, like, different, a different song each day. So you guys have to check it out. Um, it's a Is it a different thing, song, you know, a different song each day, Ricky? Yeah, I never did. Yeah, I never repeated. It's it's you wow. know it's everything from my own stuff to trash brat stuff to you know blowing in the wind, old country <laughs> punk rock stuff. Yeah, yeah, everything from you know the vibrators to you know Chris Christopherson to Ian Hunter to you know Mata Hoople. I mean, all my kind of like favorite stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I know some of the courses is rough or whatever, but it was like fine. It was like all right, sure. I got to have another song for today and. Uh, 
Um, I'm probably going to start it back up because everything's still locked down and, and people seem like they really enjoyed it. And I know Just I enjoyed it. Kept me sane, kept your, you know. Yeah, say so kept your mind going, kept you kind of thinking creatively, right? Yeah, because it was like I felt like everyone's in it together, right? Especially when the first lockdown happened where people were literally not going anywhere. It was like, okay, this is, I guess, if I can entertain some way, this is a way to do it, you know. Sure, a guy playing acoustic over the internet is as exciting as a live show, but it was yeah. better than nothing, you know. And um, now that things are still kind of like that, like Michigan, you know, we got locked back down again and stuff. It's kind of like, might as well start doing this. It's dead of winter. There's no shows. People, there's nothing, you know, for people to do entertainment wise for that. So I'm probably, yeah, I'm probably going to get off my ass and do some more, but better or worse. Well, <laughs> I can't remember. I think we, I think this was before we started recording. I was mentioning that my, I have a 19 year old daughter. She's in college. She's a sophomore in college. She's, tested positive so we're all locked in the rest and everybody's healthy even even the my daughter's got it she's just you know it's just like right. old. she's doing fine but i'm locked down i think i can't go to work for like 10 days so i might be able to get through all 160 of those songs in the next 10 because <laughs> <laughs> i think my wife still i think my wife has one more day of work she's gonna sneak in or something but yeah i, I don't know we'll see my, my, I, that or, uh, crazy by the end there you go. I mean, yeah, maybe I can do like ten a day or something. We'll see. <laughs> well, yeah, I, just, yeah, I enjoyed seeing. You know, he you know who's actually been doing him a lot now too is um Danny Thompson. You know, the original oh, guitar player, Sloppy. Yeah, he's been doing him too, and he's great. I mean, fuck, he's I you know he's, he's got an amazing voice, huh. and he's been doing those a lot lately too. If you check out his Facebook, he's been sitting and he's been doing some sloppy songs that way, just stripped huh. down like. Oh, that, that's you know? fun. And of course, they're great. So I, 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 like, I never, never met Danny. He's the only one I know. I don't know. Oh, Danny's a great guy. I'll say hi to Danny too. Hi, Danny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he. It was cool when living in Indy that um, he's one of those people. He would always be playing because that's pretty much what he does for a living too. So you yeah. could go to just some little bar and there's you know Danny sitting there playing acoustic and stuff. Yeah, and we did we did some shows. We played together some stuff too, which was a lot of fun. And uh, he was he was a good yeah, guitar player, you know. What's that? Did those, the sloppy records he played on, and, and Ace too, because Ace is a great guitar player too. But Danny was a Absolutely. good guitar. He was a good guitar player. I mean, there's lots of little. It was definitely more more complicated than the typical like what you call pop punk guitar playing at the time. Absolutely, that's of what makes their sound stand out. Because uh, you know, no offense to those other bands, but I mean, he he's a hell of a guitar player with a different slant to it. You know, yeah, you can hear kind of like the rockabilly or the country or like different parts in there. Yep. And you can't really say that about some of the other pop punk bands at the time, you know. Exactly. All right, I've talked out. It's two. It's Tuesday. I'm gonna go eat some. <laughs> eat some tacos. But... I just, I, you know what? I just have one more question for him. Oh, I just thought of. So... Yeah. Another question. That's the way it goes. Well, so what? Go ahead, yeah. What stuff are you listening to these days? You listen to any new bands that you should turn people onto, or what do you what are you listening to God. these days? I wish there was more because, you know, I'm always looking for new stuff, right? Like mm -hmm. newer bands. But, um, I mean, uh, but just off the top of my head, like stuff I've been digging. I've been, I've really been digging that last, uh, professionals album. Oh yeah. Came out Very a few good. Years ago. Yep. Yep. I've been digging that one for some reason a lot. I've been back on a clash kick and not like I'm ever not on a clash kick, but <laughs> yeah. listen to the clash a lot these days. Um, uh, um, I just got a deluxe, speaking of Johnny Saunders, I just got the deluxe version of Kesaratsura, which I yep. haven't checked out yet. Yep, it's got like a live disc, I think, and stuff. Um, but yeah, God, I wish there was something new off the top of my head. So yeah, go check this out. But um, I guess really with a band called um, Wildlife. Yes, 
with a Y. Yeah, wildlife. wildlife yep. Canadian. Yep. They're Canadian, right? Wildlife, yeah. yeah, wildlife comes to mind right away. Cause, yeah, I'm always trying to think of like newer bands, you know, like we said, like, mm. you, know, you want to you know, see people keep the ball rolling, but... um. Yeah, the bite is yeah, really I good. That. I mean, they're they're in that same they're that same form. Well, hey, hey, did you like de- Degeneration? I'd imagine Degeneration were right oh, up your alley, right? Oh yeah, I love Degeneration. Uh, yeah, yeah, and again, back in the day, the Brats and Degeneration did some shows together. Oh, cool. Yeah, a great live band, yeah. an awesome live band, and uh, another band that was bad timing, I guess, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was not so good for some of us. But, yeah. Yeah, I saw them cool tour. Sure. Saw them tour with the Dickies in the earlier mid '90s. That was really good. That was one of the ones we all played together. It was uh, Dickies, uh, Trash Brats, and Degeneration all in one bill in Detroit. You didn't? Uh, did you? You remember ever playing the? Oh, see now I'm I'm going down a rabbit hole that nobody cares about but me. But I don't care. Did you ever play the Reptile House in Grand Rapids? You must have. No, we never did. I don't think we ever just, okay. played. We never played Kalamazoo or Grand Rapids for whatever reason, and okay. only like Lansing maybe five times or something. But yeah, no, we never did. I've always heard of that place. But we never did. Yeah, I would say that was my that was my stopping grounds as a kid. I was just I was just curious. It was one of the few places you could drink underage, and it yeah, was good. Yeah, well, those are always important to have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, Ricky. Hey, hold on, hold on. Favorite Clash oh, album? I mean, you brought it up. So, fa- favorite Clash album? Favorite Clash album. Sometimes it changes, you know, that goes all this music geeks, um, but probably London Calling. Oh, okay. What's I was going to say Cut the Crap. <laughs> <laughs> I like Cut the Crap, actually. It's it's underrated. <laughs> underrated. No. <laughs> I, all I right. keep trying to give it a shot, but I don't, I don't know. But, well, what's your favorite Clash record? Uh, probably Give Enough Rope, the second one. I think that's... Perfect. Yeah, that's... Yeah, all, well, all three of those for me, I, I, you know, can't get enough of really. And maybe one album's worth of Sandinesia, and we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we're all agreed on that. I think we're all agreed on that one. All right, and Neil, I'm talking about the bastardized American version that's like half singles and all chopped up. That's what I'm talking about. The great no. American. See, why do you want to get me angry like that? Why do you want to fucking get me angry about the first Clash <laughs> album bastardization they did in the U.S.? Why do you want to do that? Rick, yeah, man, weird, thanks too. for coming out and talking to us. We really enjoyed the we really enjoyed the chat. I uh, well, I really enjoyed no, I really enjoyed it too. I appreciate you guys having me on. No, this was great. Yeah, Thank man. you. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to definitely keep up uh, keep up with whatever you're doing. And like I said, I'll drag I'll drag uh, I should drag uh, Neil over to one of the like the smalls uh, one of your annual uh, trash bread shows or something. That'd be great fun. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. If we can I'd be up for that. Sure. Yeah. We can do. And if all but yeah, else, maybe all three of us can meet up in Chicago for some sort of. There we go. Ruckus or another. Dude, I would <laughs> fucking I would love that. That would be awesome. Yeah, and maybe yeah. we can drink maybe get Jacob as well from uh Yeah, we get yeah. Jacob from Champagne or wherever he is, wherever godforsaken place in Illinois he lives. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, it's a real pleasure, man. And uh good luck good luck in uh, your future stuff. And like I said, we'll keep in touch and keep keep up with what you've been up to. So Well, right on. Well thank you guys very much for having me. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. No worries. Right, Tom, yeah, and I'm gonna play us Neil, out with uh, that that uh, that that, that Dead Boys Dead Boys live yes. song. So right, right uh, yeah, cool. stay free, everybody, and uh, keep a little mark in your heart. So, bye bye. That's right. That's right. Cheers yep. to that. Okay. See. You.